Hey everyone, welcome to the Access Podcast on this beautiful Wednesday. If you're listening to it on a Wednesday, we have Pastor Karen with us today. Hey, it's good to be with you today. And we have Kimmy. Yo, yo, yo. That's awesome. Nice intro, Kimmy. Thank you. Well, today's episode, we're going to be talking about identity. And so with our podcast, our mission is to equip and mobilize Christians in their identity and evangelism. So in this episode, we're going to be talking or sharing a few testimonies from our personal lives. Also, uh, really asking the question, how do we thrive in our identity in Christ in a toxic environment? So whether that's on a university campus or whether that's at work, how do we thrive in a toxic environment? And then we're also going to talk about what are some ways that, that we can help someone else discover their God-given identity? How can we help someone else? Not just be focused on ourselves, but be disciples who make disciples. And so as we get started here, uh, Karen or Pastor Karen or Kimmy, do you want to start off with a testimony Yeah. about identity? Yeah. So identity has been a very big part of my life since I started following the Lord. So about two years ago, I realized that I was living out my life gripped by lies that I was believing. And so what that looked like was I would have, I would be like told these lies in my thought or lies in my thoughts and that I would, and then I'd believe them. And so when I realized that I really started going to God in my quiet time and talking to him and having a conversation and saying like, God, like, here's a lie that I've been believing, but I know it's not true, but I don't necessarily know what the truth is. And so I'm going to lay this lie down at your feet. And would you like fill me with the truth? Would you tell me what the truth is? And so in that, it looked like me literally telling God, like, I'm believing this, but I don't want to because I know it's not true. And then sitting and waiting for him to tell me what that truth was. And so that looked like him either like telling me in my thoughts, me like diving into scripture, figuring out what the truth is. Um, Or even other people would tell me, or I would get like, visions or dreams um and so as time went on i really started taking those lies giving them to the enemy getting the truth moving the truth from my head into my heart so that i could walk out that new true identity um and then after that after i would give the lie to god i would have to like repent and i would say god i'm sorry for partnering with the enemy because that separated me from god right and choosing to believe the truth even if it if i didn't didn't necessarily believe it right then and there, but choosing to claim that as my truth and to walk that out. I think that's awesome because it's the work of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. to really reveal truth like that. Kim. Yeah. That's amazing. When I think of identity, I think oftentimes we get caught uh, in believing things that are spoken over us or even what I might call family uh, identifying, uh, identifying us as a certain kind of person, mm-hmm. or uh, and then we kind of get this family label, and oftentimes we take that on as identity. And for me, I grew up uh, as a pastor's kid, and that truly was my identity as a Christian. You know, of course I'm going to heaven because I'm a pastor's kid. Well, I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit uh, showed me that there had to come a time when I made that personal decision, you know, to live my life for Jesus. I don't remember a day that I didn't love God. I was raised to know that. But uh, I do remember the turning point in my life when my true identity came when I truly made a decision for myself. And that, again, I believe is the work of the Holy Spirit to show us who we are in Christ. And so it was no longer trying thinking that I was saved 
on the coattails of my dad because he was a pastor, but now I was born again. I, I embraced the true identity that uh, could only come from Christ and Christ alone. That's so good. I, I grew up also, my dad being in ministry, working here at Res. And for me, my self-identifier, like what you're talking about, Pastor Karen, is my self-identifier was like performance. It was perfection. It was not making mistakes or at least presenting myself like I didn't have flaws, right? Sure. And I remember growing up, you know, shame was a huge, huge part of my story. And I remember, you know, when you're in your identity and your broken identity, you don't know it. <laughs> like you it's just, true. it's just normal. It's like when you, right. when you're just broken, you don't know that you're broken. It's right? your reality. It's like when you go to the <laughs> chiropractor and you have a bad back for like years and years and years, you go start going to the chiropractor and you're like, oh my gosh, this is what it feels like to be able to turn my neck. You know what I mean? I didn't know that was normal. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I remember, so I grew up knowing all the right things, but knowing, knowing things doesn't really help you. It's the first step, right? You need to have knowledge, but it's the Holy Spirit. Like you're talking about, he's the one who identifies us as his children. So I was 19 and I remember I just started like reading my Bible, pursuing God for the first time out of relationship, not out of performance. Right. Right. So I'm, I'm reading my Bible. I'm in Romans eight. And as I'm in Romans eight, I come across uh, eight fourteen where it says for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. And it just hit different that day where it's like, you've read that, you've heard that, you know, you think of the song, the father Abraham song. Father Abraham many <laughs> had many sons. sons. <laughs> yeah, many sons of Father Abraham. I'm one of them. So it's like, yeah, we're you know children of Abraham and ultimately children of God. You know that. But then all of a sudden, you're in the scriptures. You're humble. You're desperate. You're hungry, and the Spirit just comes in and is just like, no, you're my son. And that from that day on, it just flipped my story from performing for God to now being in relationship with Him, which is a which is a big difference. I'm not a servant trying to please my father. I'm not a concubine coming in, you know, coming in once, once a year to the king, like in the Old Testament. No, I'm actually the bride of Christ, right? Mm -hmm. I'm a son. I'm beloved by him. And now I get to do, in a sense, be unified with him. So that was just 814, Romans 814, reading that and my alone time with God, like shifted my perspective and my identity where that, that God really just spoke to me and from that point on, it was just like, it just kept going from there. Mm-hmm. It was like the, 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 the starting point. Identity has everything to do with relationship, doesn't it? Hmm. Because now what that... Mean, what do you mean by that? Because you were saying that you realized a relationship is you are now a son. That is more intimate. That is connection. That's family. That's That becomes part of who you are. That's your true identity in Christ. Yeah, apart from performance right mm-hmm. right which is a huge deal for you know growing up in the church right and it, maybe even for people that were on church performance earning the love from god yeah instead of uh, receiving the love from god right. is a huge huge difference there's a huge difference so those are just a quick some few quick, quick testimonies the reason we share testimonies is because that puts like flesh on what we're going to talk about it's not mm-hmm. just ideas it's actually these are biblical concepts and truths in the kingdom of God that can change our lives so that we can make a difference wherever we go. And so as we go into this uh, first talking point here, how do we live or how do we live out our identity in a toxic culture or a toxic environment? And so a part of this, I asked John Dealman to send me 
just some thoughts about living out identity in a toxic culture. I'm a pastor. Karen, you're a pastor. Kimmy, you work for the church. And so like we we live in a sense in this uh this environment that's almost like not real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like pretty safe. <laughs> and so for me to talk about this, it's, I don't really have, I don't really have much to say because I work with amazing people who love God mm-hmm. and honor me and they don't, you know, there's not sure. crazy stuff going on. So I asked him to share some thoughts. So he talked about some things and in his, in his letter to me or the thing that he wrote out was basically, it, it can be very difficult to live in your identity because you are constantly bombarded with darkness. So he works in the concrete business. So he's a blue collar worker working with rugged, rough guys all the time. And some of the things that he talks about is every day you come in and there's constant cussing and foul language every day, all day, every day. Mm-hmm. And that just wears on you, right? And then he also talks about for him, it was degrading speech on women where it's constantly like talking about women inappropriately in in awful, degrading ways. And that's, you know, so he's like, how do I, his mindset was, how do I be a light? How do I make a difference? But he's so outnumbered. And, yes. You know what I mean? It's like he's outnumbered. So how do I live mm-hmm. out my identity in a toxic culture? And so he in the letter, he talks about how the important thing is that you need to be sharp. He mentioned the armor of God and that if you aren't, the only way to live out your identity is to daily live out your identity. Yes. And that you can't come in without your guard up. You can't come in full, right? And so that, he, but he said he wasn't perfect. It's it's difficult because you have to be on every day, mm-hmm. right? But he but he was just sharing how, you know, as you as you do it, people start to reject you. They start to act weird around you. They start to you know. They have their inside jokes and they kind of exclude you. And so it's just this weird dynamic where it's like you don't feel like you're making a difference in a toxic environment when you're standing for values, but it's still important to do. And so he was just sharing all this, all these ideas of how difficult it can be. And that's just the work environment. I can imagine at university campuses, whether it's at Grand Valley or your other places or you're on a sports team and it's like everyone around you is is toxic or they're just worldly and how do we live out that identity in the toxic culture? So that's mm-hmm. kind of the question we're asking. John kind of gave us uh, an example of how that plays out, but we can also refer to other examples and really give some insight. How do we do this well? Mm-hmm. How do we do this well? Mm-hmm. I would say uh, we all should be in uh, an environment outside of our comfort zone <laughs> if we're really going to shine the light of Jesus. And... Um, if you're secure in your relationship and who God says that you are, you bring that security in there so that you're not threatened mm. by what's happening around you. But ask God, how can I be a light You know, in this place? I believe that God will give you certain words to say. Uh, I always say that when we speak truth and we speak life, it brings light to darkness. So we're finding ourselves in toxic situations. I used to work, uh, one of my first full-time jobs was working in a bank. And um, in uh, the environment that I was working in, there was a lot of horoscopes and you know these women believed all, all kinds of superstitious things and really it boiled down to witchcraft. And I just, um, they would ask me, well, uh, 
what's your horoscope? And I said, you know, I just really believe that um, God takes care of me and my future is in his hands. And so I don't really um, like to, you know, talk about horoscopes, but I didn't have to be degrading to them. I didn't look down on them. The Bible says that we can be in the world, but not of it. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to participate. But I will tell you that there were times when these girls were having some real difficult problems. And because I didn't shun them, because I didn't judge them, because I didn't talk down to them. And when I had the opportunity, I would share, you know, I love Jesus. You know, I don't need to a horoscope to tell me what's going to happen. Uh, they would come to me with their problems. And it kept the door open to have um, at least some kind of inroad to speak truth to them. I believe that when we bring light to darkness, people notice, and they might shun you, but um, that's okay. They're not, they're not shunning you. They're just rejecting Jesus the same way that Jesus was rejected. So we don't take it personally, but we continue to love them. And it's the love of God that turns people, people's hearts. It gives us opportunity. Yeah, Karen, I think that that's really a good point too. And it, like it says, like you were saying, um, that we don't we don't hate the person, but we hate their sin. And so, really creating those relationships with them, showing them that we're not against them, but that we don't necessarily believe in um, are for what they're doing. Um, and so, I can relate to that a lot too. I went to Wyoming High School. And a lot of the culture there was um, drugs, sex, all of these foul language, disrespecting older people um, like our teachers. And so even in that time, it was like, how do I be a light to these people without being conformed to their culture? Because I had once been in that culture, but it's like, no, I want to live like, well, the way that the Bible tells me to live. And so choosing to build relationships with them, showing that I love them, but I didn't necessarily agree with what they were doing. Um, it does. It provides so many opportunities to share with them in that way. Yeah, I as I'm, how do we live out our identity in toxic culture, right? I, I think one of the ways that we need to rethink this as Christians is we need to rethink how effective and powerful our God is when mm-hmm. it comes to him being in an environment. I think sometimes, right, we've been sold the lie of this little light of mine, <laughs> right? So we sing the song growing up, we're like, this little light of mine, I yeah, want to let it shine. Yeah. It's like, you don't have a little light. Yes. You have the light of the world. Amen. Yeah. So sometimes, how do we thrive in a toxic culture? The reason we aren't thriving is because we have, we have a small view of how much God can influence the environment over time. I agree. Now, not right away, over time. Right. right, and so we need people. So Todd White, who is like an evangelist, a preacher, and he, when I was like nineteen or twenty years old, like he was influential just in my growing in my identity, growing in my faith, loving the scriptures, and, and really developing intimacy with the Lord. And so he made a statement that just radically changed the way I viewed everything. So right, I was umpiring slow pitch softball, which is a very toxic, very worldly environment. <laughs> I was. Um, I was on a basketball team with with guys who were not super clean cut, and I was also um, on a, working a landscaping crew with a bunch of blue collar guys that were very vulgar and very worldly. And so, and then he said this statement that radically changed. He says, "One person in Christ is the majority." Hmm. 
And so some people think like, well, I'm, I'm the only person. One, per, one Christian is the majority. Oh, that's great. It doesn't matter if you have 24 people that are all unbelievers. It's like, if you have Christ, you're the majority. And so that doesn't mean that things are going to change overnight, right. but it's a mentality that, that we need to have in the environments is that you need to stop having the small view of yourself and, and what, can, what God can do through you. Um, we need to have a bigger view of what God wants to do in an environment. Amen. That's how we can thrive is to expand our faith into what God wants to do in an environment through us. And allow him to do it. You know, I think he guides you. And I, I always view every opportunity as just a seed. We're just planting seeds. And um, you never know when that seed is really going to take root and bear fruit. But um, I have seen lives changed. Things, people who I thought, you know, they would never, you know, be open to hear uh, about my faith. But they came and asked. I had one girl say to me, do you smoke? And I thought... That is a very strange question because I, they would never have seen me. I never have smoked. And she said, well, I didn't think so, but you're just so different because you don't look down on us who do. And I said, mm-hmm. no, I mean, I can, I can have a relationship with you. I said, I don't like smoking, but I like you. And so we can have some kind of a, of a relationship. So what I took that as is that she realized I wasn't judging her. Yeah. But I am going to continue to be available. Yeah, and uh, we had we had a very good relationship. She would get mad at everybody else in the office, but she would not be mad at me because <laughs> I wasn't judging her, and I wanted to be kind to her. Yeah, I think what you said too about being available, like being available, is one of the most important things that we can do, um, especially in when you build relationships with people. Right? I just recently had this happen, and. I was friends with this girl way back in middle school. We went to middle school together. We played basketball together. And I was kind to her. I had built a relationship with her. And um, this a few months ago, she actually reached out to me and she was like, hey, Kimmy, I'm actually not doing good. And I've seen that God has changed your life. Will you help me? I want that. And I was like, I haven't talked to her since middle school. Right. And I was like, mm-hmm. heck, yes, I will. God wants you to um, like, let's let's get yeah. together. Let's have lunch. We got lunch together. She re- rededicated her life to the Lord and is like chasing after him now. It's like that would not have happened if I first didn't have that relationship with her. Yeah. And second, if I wasn't available. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's awesome. So is there ever a point maybe changing a little bit? Is there ever a point where you're in a toxic environment? And ideally, we want to be the ones influencing. But let's say someone's going through a rough time and they're not as strong. Is there a, is there a time do, that you think it's right to step away from a toxic environment? Mm-hmm. Let's say you do it vulgar, right? And it's it's having a negative effect on your emotions or a negative effect on right your relationship with God or maybe your friendships. I don't know what it is. Is there a time to step away, right? Have a boundary in a sense. Sure. I would say that if you feel like your own uh, value or you feel threatened, I guess, in some ways. I I go back and forth on that, though, because I think that it's okay to remove yourself from a very uh, maybe toxic situation. Like I get invited to go somewhere that I'm just not going to go. You know, that's maybe, you know, hey, we're going to the bar afterwards. Do you want to go? I would say, hey, thanks for the invitation, but no, thank you. Yeah, avoiding temptation. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, I would walk away from that situation. 
Yes, I think that's a good point of clarity. When we're saying toxic environment, we're not saying you putting yourself in toxic environments. Sure. You going to bars, you hanging out with toxic people. We're not saying you should go and voluntarily put yourself into in toxic environments right. to tempt yourself. We're saying if school, things that you can't control, school, you know, work environments, sometimes our family, you know, those types of environments. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, that's, those are the things that I just wanted to clarify that because some people might take this conversation the wrong way and say, oh, I'm going to go into all these crazy environments because bad company does corrupt Yes. good morals. And so and, and do you think there's ever a point if you're in a work environment or maybe a family situation or school environment where it's having that negative effect that you think it's right to step away? Yeah, I think that there is a point. When you first asked that question, it made me think of something I learned back in Freedom Foundations, um, and it's the levels of change, right? And so there's a point when the environment might be the the leading cost factor, right? But there is also a major um, reason why why you're struggling in that environment and it's probably not the environment right and it's actually like the identity that you're believing is a lie um and there are cases when toxic environments are very unsafe and unhealthy that that you should leave um but so the levels of change the actual like the bottom level of change is environment and so that's like your school your workplace and stuff like that um and the top is identity so the top is where it actually changes um and so if you have like poor identity in like a toxic work environment, like that's right. That's going to be even worse and necessarily leaving that environment, going to a different workplace. If you still have that poor identity, it's not going to actually change. Like you'll just end up in the same situation as before. And so really it's changing your identity. And so it goes identities at the top and then it's beliefs, capabilities, behaviors, and then environment is at the very bottom. And so changing your identity will be much more effective in those toxic places than changing your environment. That's deep. That's yeah. deep. <laughs> it is good. That's and really good. If you haven't gone kid. through Freedom Foundations, sign up today. Yeah. There you right? go. Yeah. yeah. There you go. That was very good. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. it's a, if somebody's like you know the terrible work environment and it's just they're miserable, I think what just what you said, Kimmy, it's like you can you can leave, but yeah. you better leave with the purpose of discovering your identity, find a safe environment, right? right? But realizing that, I mean, we we always say it wherever you go. There you are. There you are. Yeah. (laughs) Wherever you go, there you are. You bring yourself with you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So, you know, with that question, we probably could talk about that for another hour, but we're going to kind of put that question to rest and kind of move on to our next talking point that we have uh, for the podcast today. So, we, which is how do we help someone else discover their identity? Mm -hmm. So, how do we help someone else? So, let's say, we're we're learning our identity. We've had these experiences with God, and He's fathering us. He's adopting us. He's He's she, the Holy Spirit's teaching us who we are in Christ. How do we not keep that to ourselves, but be a disciple who makes disciples? Right. What are some practical tips, Pastor Karen, that you might give to a young woman who wants to help a friend or a family member? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've had some experiences where. Uh, just in speaking with women who are really dealing with a lot of struggles, um, low self-image, just feel, you know, almost like self-hatred. And I would just ask them, you know, who, how do you think God sees you? 
And they don't have a very good image of a loving God who approves of them. And that kind of seems to be at the bottom because sometimes our family experiences or people have said things or our experiences have led us to believe the lies, Kimmy, like what you were talking about, that you begin to believe about yourself. And so I oftentimes just say, God, would you just reveal to them how you see them? And when they begin to see that he loves them, unconditionally, no strings attached. They begin to tap into the love that God has for them. Their self-image begins to change. And I see that true identity. Something very powerful to say to someone is that, do you know that your your Father God, He approves of you. Mm-hmm. And you don't need to perform. You don't need to earn it. He already approves of you. And so just, I really believe uh, by the work of the Holy Spirit, to just become more and more um, aware of God's love. And the depth of his love will never know the full fullest extent. But it is, I think it's a growing thing. And so I just encourage um, people that I've talked to, you know, you are loved. You are loved, not because of what you've done or what you haven't done. It's We're not defined by our past. We're not defined by our failures. We're not even defined by our successes. When in the sight of God, he loves you because he chose to love you just the way you are. And you're my daughter. You're my son. And we can enter into relationship with that kind of security, knowing that God already approves of us. Mm-hmm. That's good. I think something going off of that, um, when you're helping someone else really like see who they are in God, um, something that can be helpful is like knowing who you are in God, right? So it's like once I am firm in my identity, I can help you see who you are in your identity because I know that it's true. And I think something so cool is we're all children of God, right? And so we all have like the capabilities of the characteristics that he has for us. Right. And so I have this thing, I call it my identity wall. Um, it came, it stemmed from me giving God those lies, receiving the truth. I put it on a sticky note, threw it on the wall. And a phrase that he gave me for that, he said, like daddy, like daughter. Right. And so said every, all of, all the characteristics that God has, like I am capable of equipping in myself. Right. There are some, obviously, expectations I am not God, but because I am his daughter, there's so many things that he has for me. Just like I have my dad's nose, right? It's like I have so many characteristics from God that even if I'm not equipped in them yet, like they're mine. Like that is the truth. And then I'm able to step into that and live that out. And like showing other people, like even if you aren't, activated in this yet like it is a truth about you and you have the capability of becoming active in that i think one of the one aspect of this that before we start helping someone else we may need to consider is that we don't need to be perfect in Mm -hmm. order to help somebody else so often i see with young people there you know it's like we want to we want to have it figured out before we help someone else right but the reality is, is that you're not the one who helps someone else discover their identity, although we might be, right, the hands and feet of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the only one who yeah. can un, who can tear the veil back yes. and show someone, right, who they are. He is the one. And so what I say is don't wait. And, and in a lot of ways, in order to fully 
live out and, and fully experience who God's created us to be, we actually need to help other people. Yeah. Because like in the helping other people, we discover a part of our identity, which is a disciple who makes it's a, ch- a child, an ambassador, right? Chosen. Sure. And in a lot of ways, as we do that with humility, not out of trying to fix people, but out of just trying to yes. help people, that we discover more of our identity that we mm-hmm. never found before, right? right? Yeah, right. And so my my little note before we start doing that is don't wait till you're perfect. I like that. Don't wait till you no longer have that secret sin. You know what I mean? Or maybe that sin that, maybe not secret, but just don't wait till you're perfect. Like if you have a heart to help someone, yeah. realize that the Holy Spirit wants to help that person way more than you do. And to just get on board. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's a matter of, you know, we don't achieve perfection. We receive what God has for us, but God doesn't use perfect people. He uses forgiven people. That's good. So as we as we help someone you mentioned, as we are looking or desire to help people, focus on the love of God. Focus on his view of the person. One of the things that always helps me when I'm praying with someone or helping them hear God's voice or connect with Holy Spirit is I, la- I, I, I put myself in this position that every, every piece of identity, everything that God's created them to be is already in there. Mm-hmm. That's good. You know, sometimes we're like, we're trying to get something in there. We're trying to change someone, right? Mm-hmm. We're trying to help them see it, right? Like we know better, we're trying to, you know, control the situation. But it's when I actually let go of control and I say, God, you're actually, you're all, it's already in there. Mm. We're not trying to get something that's outside and get it in. We're trying to show you what's already in there. What you already have. It's already there. That's so good. You already are these things, you know? And as you take that mindset, it takes pressure off of you and it it, it, you can trust in the Holy Spirit. And just a little, little practical, I would say for me that I've learned is in order to help someone discover their identity, you have to become okay with silence, mm. <laughs> right? So as you're praying with someone, sometimes we don't like silence because it's awkward, but realizing and trusting that when you're silent in faith, it does way more speaking without faith. Mm. <laughs> sure. Speaking out of fear because you want something to happen, right? And so when you're helping someone, just be okay with silence. Yeah. Yeah. Help them to hear. Yeah, well, when they get a yeah. word from the Lord, it will truly set them free because mm-hmm. they heard it from with their own spiritual ears. The Holy Spirit is doing a work in them. And those are the true heart transformation things that only God can do that, uh, that make the difference. It changes everything. So do you have any other like practicals? So somebody's like, I have a friend or I have a coworker or I have a family member like what are like let's say like practical steps that someone what would it look like for them to help someone if we can say it hear God's voice or connect with Holy Spirit? Sure. What are some practicals that you would do practically to help someone do that? I like to just help them realize that um, John ten tells us that Jesus is a good shepherd, and he said. The word says that we are his sheep and we do hear his voice. And so to hang on to the promise that, you know, God promises to speak. You do have spiritual ears to listen. Just like what you were saying, we have that ability when we have relationship with Jesus. And um, 
and I like to add, it's a little bit of an amplification of that same uh, verse, but it says, and the voice of a stranger I will not follow. I think most of the time people have to have confidence in knowing, hey, that impression when I ask God to show me something or the picture that he showed me or whatever, that is God speaking to us in different ways. It's not this audible voice, you know, thus saith the Lord, but and the clouds aren't going to part and you're not going to hear music or anything, but he's going to lead you in different ways. And oftentimes it's just an impression. And I would just sometimes say, hey, let's just ask God a question. You know, can you ask him, how does he see you? And then we have to wait. Then there's silence. And if I interrupt, then I'm probably interrupting what God is already telling them. So I agree with you on that. But oftentimes I'll say, what, what's just happening? What? Well, I just had this picture. I just had this warmth just kind of flow over me. What was that? And I said, God's showing you something. Mm. You're, you're sensing his presence. So sometimes it's a matter of encouraging people and say, you really are hearing. You are really sensing the, the power of the Holy Spirit. And um, we don't have to... Um, sensationalize it but it's a very natural thing when we have relationship with jesus yeah i think the like the key there is that we aren't necessarily it's like their identity from god isn't coming from us right yes god may use us in that but what's so much more valuable is like when we give them the opportunity to hear it themselves when we equip them with the holy spirit so then they don't have to call us up every time they're like i don't know who i am it's like no like this is practical like you can do this all the time and so that's what i really like about um yeah like leading them into a time to actually ask them ask god themselves right and so then they can take that with them and it's a practical thing that they can do all the time and they don't need us to guide them through it every time yeah okay. nick may always says make disciples not dependents yeah that's good he says make disciples not dependents help mm-hmm. people connect with the source of life and identity, not us, you know, right? not us. That's good. But ultimately, um, I think as you're wanting to help someone, it's going to, you have to actually take initiative, Mm. right? So many people are waiting for the person, right? And, or, and obviously you got, you can't help someone who doesn't want help, Right. But at the same time, if somebody's wanting or you sense that they're wanting it, sometimes for you, you got to be like, hey, let's just go and let's pray. And for a lot of people, that's abnormal. But we were talking about in a previous, in another uh, episode on the podcast, like that's normal. Like prayer with other Christians should be the norm. It shouldn't <laughs> yeah. be the rarity, right? It yeah. should be the norm. And I, uh, I think as Christians, we need to be ones who take initiative, right? So a first step might be like literally as you sense someone's growing or they want to grow or they're hungry or they're, you know, they're, they're interested. You, you just say like, Hey, let's take like half an hour and let's go alone somewhere. Right. Obviously guys with guys, girls with girls, yeah. don't be taken. Listen, if you're a guy, don't be taking some girl and praying with her. Okay. Let's be real. You're just trying to take her out on a date. But anyway, <laughs> uh, sorry, that's a side note. That's a good one. <laughs> but it's, yeah. it's taking initiative and saying like, no, I want to help you connect with the, the father. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's like taking initiative and being a leader and someone who loves and cares about people enough to to pray with them right? Yeah. and help them help them hear God. Right, yeah. I find that uh, I have asked people who, they don't go to church, they're, you know, not necessarily professing Christians, and I'm not trying to judge them, but they haven't given me any evidence, you know, that they have a relationship with God. But they're having 
just terrible problems, you know. And they've come to me because they just feel like I'll be a good listener. And I'll just ask them very, um, you know, openly. And here's the thing. We have nothing to be ashamed of. We are carriers of the very thing that they're looking for. And it's the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ that's going to completely transform their lives. We have the best thing going. And so I'll just ask them, and I think it's important not to force, but I'll just say, hey, would you mind if I prayed with you? And because they're in a place where they've already come, you know, they've opened the door at least a little bit. I have never had anybody tell me no. Because they're at a place of desperation, and hey, let's lead them to the only thing, the only person who can make that difference in their life. That's that's really good. So don't it doesn't have to be a Christian. No, yeah. <laughs> no, and most no people way. are open. To, you know, if if they're really seeking, they don't even know what they're seeking yeah. until they meet Jesus, and it's like ah, that is what they needed all and wanted all along. Yeah. That's so good. Well, Karen, Pastor Karen, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us and sharing us sharing Absolutely. your wisdom and insight and your experience with us. This has been an episode of The Access Podcast. If you found this episode helpful, why don't you go and share it with a friend and let's get the word out on the podcast. Have a great rest of your week and we'll see you on a Thursday night sometime. Peace. <laughs>